This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoles. Welcome to Issues 2021, sir. Thank you, Steve. Good to, good to be with you. I want to start out with this, a little basic and a review. How, just how big is the Sedgwick County government? How many employees? Uh, we, we employ about 2,800 um, uh, employees and then a, a, a few part-timers. We, we always, uh, when we describe it, we say we have around 3,000 employees total. And how many facilities? Do you have any number? How, any idea how many buildings and so forth come under Sedgwick County? Well, we have dozens of, of sites because so many of the services that we provide uh, in relation to, for example, corrections or uh, calm care, mental health. Uh, they, we're in the community, so we uh, are located at many many sites around the community. We have. Um, dozens of, of facilities um, that we uh, either own or rent in the, in the county. We've got county fire stations is included in that too, right? Absolutely, or EMS posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have nine county fire station, uh, uh, 16 uh, EMS posts, and and then all the other buildings. But we so it's it's uh, significant. We have dozens of facilities that uh, spattered around the the county. Just how big is your budget for the county? Uh, all tax funds and uh, and revenue, uh, non-tax funds, in other words, grant or pass-throughs from the state, we have about a $450 million budget annually. Oh, wow. Uh, and will the pandemic of the past year have an impact on the budget that you're, you're drafting right now for the coming year? Uh, it, yeah, it absolutely does. matter of fact, we uh, I have just finished my recommended budget for the commission. They will hear it uh, publicly uh, on July the 14th. Uh, but absolutely um the pandemic uh and you know last year this time when we did the budget it was it was a scary time because we were in the beginning of the pandemic we didn't know the fallout we didn't know what federal resource was going to be available to shore us up so we pretty much hunkered down the budget last year uh and then this year now we we feel like we're in distinctive recovery mode uh, and so we positioned the budget around that. But, you know, what we found coming out of the the pandemic is, it, like a lot of other employers uh, in the country have, have found, there, there's just a real workforce situation right now. And in the world of county government, where you have workforce shortages uh, in the 911 dispatch center uh, with EMS, uh, in the sheriff's detention uh, center uh, and mental health clinicians and caseworkers. That's a that's a service that is critical to people's lives, and so we really can't afford a workforce shortage. So we are we're working diligently um, to retain what we have uh, as far as employees and to uh, bolster recruitment so we can get these positions filled. But that's the main thing we're feeling. Uh, coming out of out of the pandemic, and all, all of the budget that we structured is in response to this recovery mode. Does that what I'm hearing? Does that mean you're going to uh, ask for an increase in spending uh, on on, yeah. on some of these positions? Well, we no, we're we're asking for a flat budget, but we're going to have to maneuver within that budget and be creative. We the the theme of this year's budget was. Um, you know, care of employees, compensation uh, for employees. Uh, the county for the last, and this goes, I, I've told this commission, you know, uh, this is generational in nature. Um, we have, I don't think that the county has kept up with the market of salary uh, with our competitors, which is other governments around the state or the region. 
And so we're trying to reconcile that understanding that that's not a one-year fix, but kind of a commitment over the next several years. So a big theme, and you'll hear this when we when we roll the budget to the commission, uh, a big theme of this year's budget was em- uh, employee compensation and emphasizing that. Uh, at the end of the day, you we have a finite amount of resource coming in. No, nobody has any appetite to, to raise taxes. We're already, uh, as a community, I, I, I feel um, no one wants to see that happen. So then you have to get creative programmatically and begin to um, look at cutting things maybe that you've done in the, in the past or modifying or using technology to provide a service. So it's a constant scrutinization of the budget on how to properly spend the people's money. Um, but it will be a struggle um, just because the pandemic is over. I think the economic challenges that it has left us with will stretch for the next half a decade probably. So as a county, we're like every other government. We're looking at ways to be more efficient, ways to consolidate, ways to privatize operations so that we can keep the taxes as low as possible for the citizens. And and that's our discussion every year with budget. And I think that the pandemic has maybe um, emphasized that quicker quicker than we were uh, anticipating, and we're, so we're having those kinds of conversations. Well, Jim, but at the end of the day, we don't want people to pay more taxes, clearly. We, we have the pandemic. Everybody says it's recovering quite well and all that, but uh, is it not recovering what we think it is? In other words, is this labor drain or labor shortage really having now an impact in slowing things down, do you think? I think it is. I think, I think we're recovering nicely. Um, I think that if you look at aerospace and agriculture and some of our uh, you know, hospital, medical workers, if you look at some of our key um, core uh, economic drivers in Cedric County, for example, I think we're recovering nicely. Uh, what is holding us up is this workforce shortage. And, and I don't know how many times you've heard where we can't have a, a facility can't open because they can't find workers, like a restaurant is wanting to open and they can't, or they have to reduce hours because they don't have uh, enough workers. Um, you know, we have a situation in, in our jail where the sheriff is uh, really recruiting hard to get detention deputies, and he's had to close down uh, a couple of pods in the jail, and that means we have to send prisoners out of county. So we're not immune uh, as county government to what the rest of the society is feeling. And I think that if this doesn't reconcile itself, if we don't get workers back into the workforce, that it will slow us down. It will slow our economy down because we're not able to provide uh, the goods or the services that uh, are are needed as we recover and bounce back from this. Michael, the next question was going to be, how are things going at the jail? Uh, it seems like every time we talk or over the past several years, every time I've talked to a county manager has been, the, the jail is just a big pain in the you-know-what because it's always something going on. Bad yeah, it's, you know, the jail The jail in the, in the world of, of government um, – I always think a jail is harder to run than a prison. Uh, a prison is, you know, like Hutch or Leavenworth, uh, federal or state. Those are cities within cities, and you have a finite population, and those are basically residents that live there. The jail is a transitory correctional facility to where you have some of those kinds of people who are, you know, um, and when we say long-term in a jail, we're talking a few months, um, maybe a year. Uh, but by and large, that is a transitory population where there are people coming and going. It's extremely difficult to manage well, and we have a good sheriff and a good sheriff staff. 
that runs that about as well as it can be run. But it is a, it is an extreme challenge. Uh, and then you throw in a couple of dynamics like a pandemic uh, or a spreadable uh, virus um, and then try to have to deal with that for a year. And then on top of that, you throw in a workforce shortage to where we can't hire enough detention deputies to, uh, you know, staff to, to the level that we would like to. Uh, and that creates a couple things. And we have a lot of deputies working a lot of overtime over there. And, you know, in a short term strategy, that's not bad. But you can't continue to work people long levels of overtime. So the sheriff is is recruiting. Uh, he's doing better than he was a couple of months ago. Uh, he had, um, you know, a couple of months ago, he had 100 openings. And as we began to analyze that and look at it, it comes down to, you know, pay. Uh, we have to pay competitively because if you're a corrections worker, there's a lot of choices out there, state and local. Uh, to do corrections work, and the sheriff has to compete. So the commission, um, it, it made media a couple of months ago. We gave all the detention deputies an immediate $3 an hour raise, and that has helped to stabilize it and improve it. Uh, and he is actually picking up, you know, some workers over there. So we, we hope it's going to recover, and, and um, we, you know, we can begin to open all the pods again. And I'll just tell you, I know he's doing the best he can. It's just a, a very interesting time. And it's not just government, it's private business, too. We're just really struggling to find people to, to do the work that we have. I, I don't ask you about this every, when we talk usually, but what about the juvenile detention center? What are the, what, what's going on over there? Anything? Well, you know, interestingly, um, there was a, a juvenile justice reform from a few months ago, and that, that is a classic example when you look back in time at juvenile justice to where proactive and preventative measures with kids actually pay off in the long run. So our juvenile system is actually much less stressed than our adult system is right now. And we feel like part of the lesson to learn from that is let's get proactive and creative with our adult populations and try to be preventative in nature. And when you begin to hear terms like criminal justice reform, or the term that was thrown around a year or so ago, uh, you know, was thrown out called depolicing. It's not necessarily reducing police services or sheriff services. It's diverting monies to things like mental health and substance abuse to try to keep people with those specific problems out of a justice system, which is not, we all know the justice system doesn't fix mental health and it doesn't fix substance abuse. It requires clinician and care and an, almost another process. So we, when we did that with juvenile justice and we began to divert and try to do preventative, proactive things and keep kids from being incarcerated, that is paying dividends today because our populations uh, in the juvenile system are actually down a bit and much more manageable than our adult populations are right now. Uh, how are things going uh, with regard to the, uh, the district courts and getting those court, uh, uh, courtrooms back open normally? Mm-hmm. That's a work in progress. Um, judge Gearing is our uh, administrative judge here in the, in the 18th Judicial District in, in Sedgwick County. Uh, he has done an excellent job throughout this pandemic of staying up on these issues. And we also have a really good district attorney, Mark Bennett. Uh, and the sheriff and Mark Bennett and the judge have worked closely throughout this pandemic, realize and recognize the unavoidable backlog that this pandemic causes when you when you can't meet <laughs> you can't have you know trials and so you know they got creative with plexiglass and separation and scheduling and 
Uh, and now we're trying to, just like every other segment of, of society, they're trying to recover and catch the backlog up. So we're doing some things. The judge is doing some unique things, too. Uh, they're adding a little bit of staff uh, from a judicial perspective and some court support staff. Um, the, the main problem we have uh, in Sedgwick County right now for the for the uh, court system is this space, physical space, um, trying to find them courtroom space and office space to uh, add this staff so that we can get caught up from this backlog is a continuing challenge. Uh, we have some construction going on within the courthouse. We're going to uh, move the traffic court to the first floor um, and and do some modifications and some additions within the building as best we can. But the main stress right now is just physical space. You're listening to Issues 2021 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoltz. Recently, uh, representatives from this county and Wichita City government uh, have been talking about possible consolidation. What, what What's involved there? Well, you know, we have, we have conversations a lot um, about consolidations and merging and doing business a, a better way between governments. Um, I think that everybody recognizes, and I think citizens expect this as well, you, some, at some point personal kingdoms and silos have to go away um, and it has to be replaced with efficiency and, and effectiveness. Uh, every time we talk about any consolidation, we always ask ourselves two questions. Uh, number one, can we save money? Uh, can we save the taxpayer money? And number two, uh, can we provide a better, a- as good or better service than we are providing now? And if the answers to those questions are both yes, you it is our job uh, as county management, city management to make it happen. I mean, because it's, it's good for the community and we can save uh, dollars. Uh, if the answer is, you know, you can, you can increase efficiency, it's going to cost you the same amount of money, then you scrutinize that pretty heavily. Uh, but you maybe still roll forward. Or if you make the statement, hey, we can save money, but the service is going to be worse, then you have to scrutinize that as well and, 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 and take a look. So our, our latest discussion on this, the one I think that caught the news uh, in the last week or two, was we, we had looked at um, cultural arts and recreation uh, and park services. We, we both are, city and county, are both are in the business of that to some degree. Um, the city runs a much more robust park system than the county does. Uh, the county has three parks, uh, Lake Afton, uh, the the uh, uh, county park at 21st and Ridge, and then the Northeast Park uh, up by Furley, which is basically just green space right now. Uh, and the city runs uh, uh, dozens of, of, of parks. Um, we all have cultural arts. We have the, you know, the county runs the zoo. Uh, we run uh, Exploration Place, and we have a number of museums uh, that we subsidize. And the city has the same thing with Botanica, uh, the Art Museum, Cowtown, and a number of museums that they also support. So as we talk back and forth through this, and I, I don't know that it's rocket science, I think people look at that and say, you guys are doing a lot of the same kinds of stuff. Can you get together and merge or functionally consolidate, and can you save us some money in the process? And if you can't do that, can you at least provide a better service to where I, as a citizen, have better access and uh, it's more streamlined, and I can more uh, enjoy uh, my park and my recreation uh, um, system. So, um, you know, we had that discussion. We had a, uh, what's called an on-bank meeting um, a week or so ago, and that's a meeting where the 
city of Wichita Council and the Cedric County Commissioner sat down in the same room and kind of hashed through uh, some some items, and this was the, the topic of discussion. Uh, and we ran it through, and there was a lot of uh, support for the concept, and now we're kind of taking it to the next step, which is technically how can we make this work, how can we make it better. Um, and it's an, it's an interesting world because, you know, you want to give autonomy to some of these places like the zoo and, and Botanica, those are operations that are running very well. And the last thing we want to do is come in and, you know, mess it up with some type of ill thought uh, consolidation plan. So we're, we're being very thoughtful how we move through on this, but I do think that at the end of the day, there's some, some good that can come of this. We can uh, provide a better operation. Uh, You know, if I'm a company like Amazon or, a company thinking about relocating, and I look at an area where they take quality of life seriously, um, I'm going to be impressed with that. Uh, you know, I'll ask the usual questions. Do you have workforce? Do you have clean water? Do you have space? Uh, what's your traffic like? What's your crime uh, like? But I'm also going to ask what quality of life amenities can you give my workers if we come there? And I look at this kind of model where it's clear that the city and county are working together uh, I think that that bodes well for the region and helps us to attract employers and keep our economy going here. The city of Wichita is grappling with an anti-discrimination ordinance. Uh, how does the county handle charges of discrimination? Uh, we handle, we always look at federal law. You know, there's, uh, and I've said this for years, there's two reasons that organizations should be diverse uh, and they should not discriminate. And first of all, it's the moral and ethical way to do business. It's, it's how I was raised. It's my belief system, and, and many people are like me on that. It's just a moral thing to do. And if, if that doesn't cut it for you, it's also the legal thing to do. That is the law of the land. Uh, so there's a couple of really good reasons to uh, take discrimination of all sorts quite seriously uh, because it's a moral ethical way to do it and it's the legal uh, way to, to look at it. So we have uh, processes uh, embedded organizationally where those types of complaints go right. They bypass the normal chain of command in a department or division and they go right to a human service or human resource area where there is an independent look from outside uh, by an independent investigator that the county uh, employs and she uh, uh, specializes in looking at these kinds of issues. Uh, we, are, we are adding, trying to add a diversity inclusion component into the organizational chart. Uh, we have tried to hire a position for that. We're actually going to move toward a consulting model on that uh, and, and bring in a fellow that will, uh, we will hire from outside to come in and stand up a more robust diversity inclusion um, uh, policy and operation within the county. And that goes past, you know, just how, what's going on in the county. It's, it's, you look at systems. We want to look at our, uh, the sheriff I know is interested in always looking at his system of incarceration. Uh, the DA is always interested in looking at his system. Uh, we look at our system of hiring, our sister, a system of deploying resources. And we always know, uh, try as you might, you can always do better. We can always represent our population better because at the end of the day, with government, you should reflect, the government workers should reflect the population in which they serve, and that's across the, the boundary. That's its age and race and sex and, and all of these uh, types of, uh, you know, we live in a very diverse population. We should reflect that in government. So we, we take it very seriously. It's a, 
it's a great topic of discussion now. It's a very contemporary topic as we grapple with this as a society, and the county's on the front line on that as well. Well, this program is airing on the 4th of July. Any thoughts or, or reminders on fireworks safety, Tom? <laughs> well, I always, you know, we, public safety is a finite resource. We only have so many police officers and sheriff's deputies and fire officials and EMS people, and our 911 is a finite resource, too. So I always plead with people. Uh, and, I, and, you know, you want to get a good argument going, Steve, set two groups of people down and talk about legality or illegality of fireworks. And I guarantee you it will erupt into quite a conversation. So, um, but our, the rule of the day is where you, where you buy them, you shoot them. Uh, and please be careful and please use our public safety um, responsibly because, uh, for example, in our dispatch center right now, we're down about two dozen people. And so the people that are working there are working very hard just in a normal course of day. But the 4th of July weekend traditionally is our busiest weekend in 911. And so we're, we're, we're strapped for people. Uh, I strongly encourage people to use our non-emergency phone line, which is 316-290-1011. If they simply want to report illegal fireworks being shot or allowed parties, um, that line keeps our main dispatchers on task of true emergency. Uh, it keeps our police officers and sheriff on task of true emergency. And then as that non-emergency line is reported, as our officials get time, they can go and investigate those complaints. But it's very important not to bog down our systems right now because if your family member is having a heart attack or if you've been in a car wreck or someone's breaking into your house or we have true emergency situations happening out there and the system is bogged down because people are complaining about their neighbor shooting fireworks in a 911 format we can't serve the public appropriately so it's this it's the same lesson as always this year it's a little bit more dire because we have staffing shortages across the board in public safety so let's use our Let's use our very finite resources very responsibly as we try to get through the 4th of July weekend. And i got one final question for you. It's kind of a different question, but uh, Tom, what does, uh, when we talk about the 4th of July and Independence Day, what does the word, mm-hmm. what does patriotism mean to you, Tom? Well, to me, uh, yeah, and since we're talking specifically about 4th of July, I think it's patriotism is, uh, is just a reflection on what makes our country great. And I think a lot of times we get so involved in personal freedoms and what I get to do and what, how I get to lead my life and the actions I want to do that we forget about what made this country great was the sacrifice that we make for one another. Uh, and I think about our, our veterans. Um, you know, kids didn't want to, they don't want to go off to war. They do it because they're, they're patriots, because it's good for the country. They sacrifice for others. And I think of our population today who, could, let's just sacrifice for one another a little bit, not to the level and extreme that our World War II veterans or our Vietnam veterans or Korean veterans did, but just as we live our lives on the street, um, you know, maybe be a little bit more courteous in traffic to, to, and sacrifice that, maybe be a little bit more courteous of our neighbors and their ability to live uh, their quality of life in, in, 
in a little bit of peace and harmony and not blow up a neighborhood with, <laughs> with, with fireworks. I, I think that's what patriotism means to me. What made this country so great is our ability to sacrifice for one another. And, and that makes us a little bit unique in the world. I hope that people remember that as we continue to come out of this pandemic and, and we can work together and, and, and keep this country together and, and, and continue to be as great as, as we are. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it, as always. Our guest, Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoltz. That's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.